Amen. Well, good morning. And once again, welcome to church. My name is Travis, the lead pastor here at Antioch, and I'm so thankful that you have joined with us today. We're excited and anticipating uh, all that God wants to do here in our midst uh, today. And so welcome, welcome. One thing um, I wanted to, to share with you is about a weekend coming up, October 20. 20th through the 21st, it's a reframing singleness weekend. And so it's a weekend that God, we really believe, has set aside uh, to speak to those who are in a season of singleness. Uh, uh, no matter what stage of life or what age you are, that God would speak into uh, the, the season of life that, that he has given to you. And I know that there are high moments in that and there are low moments in that, but God is, is working in and through it all. And so we feel like God, we want to get the, the lens of God in that thing. And so coming up October 20th through 21st, we're, we're anticipating just a wonderful weekend of how God wants to speak and lead uh, as our, our young adults and career ministry host this event. So I want to invite you to that. You can register for that on our website and uh, would encourage you to do it uh, and to be there. Uh, today we are starting a new series and uh, it's a series that we've been anticipating for a while and, and it's entitled I Have Seen the Lord. And I, I'd say that we have been anticipating it for a while because for the last almost year, at least six to nine months, but, but even be, beyond that, uh, the Lord has really been highlighting the value and the power of the testimony. And we even see the, the, the Bible talking about uh, the, the, the way that testimony is, is used to inspire faith in the, the lives of, of, of others. And so, and so it has been, as we've had many people on the, up on this stage over the last months sharing about what God is doing in their lives and what they're seeing him do in their workplaces, that it has inspired faith in us. And, and I love, uh, one of the things that we were doing for a while is we would have a different testimony uh, for, for several weeks in a row of testimonies that uh, beget other testimonies. So it was like one week, somebody would share a testimony. The next week, somebody would say like, man, I was stirred up by that. And I went out and this week God did this. And so then they would share and somebody would be stirred by that testimony. And so it was just this incredible uh, event of, of things just continuing uh, through the power of testimony. And so really this series is going to be, be centering in uh, on, on testimonies. Every week we're going to have a, a testimony that we share uh, as we look at different aspects of the character and nature of God who he is, how he reveals himself to us, and then having a testimony that's shared that speaks of that truth in, in the lives of, of those around us. And one of the things that we want to encourage you to do is as you're inspired by different testimonies, or maybe you, you come in this morning with a, different, with a testimony, or maybe there's something that happens over the next month, uh, we're going to have testimony cards. They're down here at the front as, as well as some pins that we would encourage you to write out your testimony and then drop it in the basket. We want to hear about what God is doing. And I think there's an opportunity on there to mark whether or not you're okay with that being shared. We may put some up on, on the website or on social media. We may call you and say, hey, would you be willing to share that on a Sunday? And so we just are really wanting to be obedient to, to what we feel like God is leading us in. And that's making sure that we continue to share the testimonies, to testify about who God is and what he's doing. 
uh, lest we forget or lest we grow accustomed to it or don't have eyes to see. And so this series is called I Have Seen the Lord and we're gonna testify to who he is and how we've seen him to be just who he's declared himself to be in the word of God. And so today uh, we're beginning with our God, the Redeemer, our God who is a Redeemer. We're going to talk about that in a, in, a, in a little bit of a broad way this morning, meaning that we're going to, to think about it through the lens of circumstances in our lives that aren't going according to our plans. Those moments that we have or, or realizations that we have about, I didn't think that this is where I would be at this time in my life. Or, or when, when I began this little journey, this, this is not how I thought it would turn out. Uh, where there is maybe some disappointment or there's some disillusionment or there's some confusion around what, what, what God is doing. And, and it is often that we see in those trials, uh, God showing up. That In fact, that's some of the places he loves to show up uh, and to reveal himself because we're able to more clearly see it or we're leaning in or there's a sense of desperation and where God comes into a situation where we feel like is is hopeless or has no point or we're disappointed in and he just redeems it and in, 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 in redeeming it uh, what was lost or what felt hopeless now oh and now I see what you're doing and that I see the situation completely differently now and there is now hope more so than ever I could have had before. Uh, and there, there is a sense of redemption in it. And so we're going to look at, at, at how God works and reveals himself as redeemer in that. But before we do, I'm going to spend just a moment and we're going to be in Galatians 3 to begin here. And I, I want us to look at, at what is central to redemption. To, to him being the God who is a redeemer. And, and while there are the situations that I talked about in life where we see the nature of God as redeemer just really bringing a, a complete change uh, to, to what was and to now what is, and, him, and, and we recognize him in that, it all at the core is about the, the redemption of, of the sinner uh, redeemed into wholeness in life. It says it this way, again, in Galatians 3, I want to read beginning in verse 13. It says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. And so there is a, a, a powerful centrality to the redeeming of, of Christ Jesus that comes through the cross of Christ. And what we, what we realize, what we know is that because of, of sin and because of our rebellion, uh, we, we received a curse. God's intention, as it says from the beginning with Abraham back in Genesis 12, was that, that God would bless us and that we would be a blessing. 
And yet our rebellion against God, our running away from him, in essence, kind of selling ourselves into the slavery of sin, um, we, we lost the, the blessing and, and now we've received the curse, uh, the fallenness uh, that was created by the, the decision to sin. And so, so in that, um, we're, we're given hope in that we are afforded the blessing once again in and through Christ Jesus. So there's a, a guy named David Crane. And uh, we, I, I grew up in a small country church. Once a year, we would have a week-long revival meeting and there would be a worship leader that would come in. There would be a speaker or whatever. And uh, David Crane was one of those worship leaders. And uh, I, I still remember him to this day, even though when he came, I, w- I believe I was, in, I was in second grade. And... Um, and I remember because of a song that he had written. And this song was called Little Red Boat. Remember, I'm in second grade. So it's Little Red Boat. You could probably still find it uh, online somewhere. But, um, but this story, uh, this, this song, it was kind of a ballad. So it told a story. And it was about a, a little boy who owned a little red boat. And this little red boat was his prized possession, one of his only possessions, not having a lot. And and he loved it and he carried it around everywhere and he played with it and he would take it and he would float it on on the water uh, in a a little, little river that ran through his town. And one day the wind picked up or the current took the, took the boat and, and swept it away. And he, and he chased after it, but eventually he lost it and he was crushed and he ran home to his mom and was, was so devastated by losing his prized possession, this little red boat. Well, um, a few weeks later, uh, he, he, he's walking down his little town and in the window of a shop, he sees nothing other than his little red boat. And, and he, he's, he gets so excited, like, that's, that's my boat. Somebody found it. And, I, and so he goes into the store and he tells the store owner, that's, that's my boat. Can I, can I take it? I lost it a few weeks ago. And the store owner's like, I'm so sorry. I, I bought that boat from somebody. And so I, I'm, I have to sell it. And so you're welcome to purchase the boat, um, but you can't take the boat. And I think for me, it, it got ingrained in me because I was mad. I was like, give the boy his boat. Like, it's his boat. It's like, don't you know the whole song? It's like his prized possession. <laughs> like, he, he cried and wept over it, and you're not going to give it to him? And so the story goes on, and the, the, boy, the boy works, and he has to earn money, and he has to find little side jobs until he finally gets enough money to buy back that which was already his. And that's the story of redemption, that God created us. He, he created you. He created you for a love relationship with him. He created you in his image. The Bible tells us that you were knit together in your mother's womb, fashioned and purposed by God, for God, beautifully and wonderfully made. And, and, and he created you. And the, the Bible says that, that, that uh, we belong to him, that we are his, that we are his, that we are his special possession created for his glory. And yet in the same way, we have distanced ourselves. We have run away. We have rebelled. We have gotten lost. And though we were created for him and by him and through him, though we were his, his prized possession, because we then sold ourselves 
through rebellion to God, through a givenness to sin, through the fallenness of this world, uh, we, were, we, we were cursed because of our choices, separated from God. And so it was that God went to great lengths to purchase us back, to purchase us back with the, the blood of his very own son. And that is redemption. Another way that redemption can be translated in the Bible is ransom, that there literally was a ransom for our lives and he spared no expense that we might be redeemed and ransomed and brought back into fellowship, friendship and relationship with him. And this is the beautiful, powerful story of the gospel that's seen in the redemption of our lives that never loses its punch when we think about it. And we say, thank you, Jesus, that you have redeemed us, that though we were made for you and by you, we sold ourselves and you didn't get mad. You, you, didn't, you didn't say, well, well, you just go your own way. No, you pursued us. I love how Samuel said it. He said that God is devising ways to bring back banished people to himself. He didn't have to do that. What is that about the, the nature of God? That though we rebelled, that, that he, I, you know, I just kind of picture him, you know, it's not right. He is, he's infinite and above, but I just kind of him devise him. Now, how could I, because he already knows, right? But I just, I love the, the just like he, it, it shares like the, the heart. He's devising ways to bring back banished people who were rightly banished back to himself. And, and the ultimate plan and purpose and strategy of the father was demonstrating his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He became the curse for us so that we, the Gentiles, might know the blessing of God through Christ Jesus. And so that by faith, we might receive the promised Holy Spirit knowing the, the, the spirit of God, the comforter, the counselor, the teacher, the one who reminds us of Jesus, the one who comes on the believer to empower us to accomplish the mission of Jesus, who bears the fruit of the spirit in our lives and, and so that we might walk with him uh, all, all the days of our lives. Jesus said, it, it's, it's better that I leave you so that you might receive the Holy Spirit, which again, the disciples would be like, you're crazy. That's, that's, that's crazy talk. But, but because who, who would say that, Jesus? There's nothing like being with you. And yet Jesus said it. And so side note for us, if we have not, if we have not experienced that, then there's something that we are missing out on. Okay, this is a complete side note. Wow, so, so but, but let me just say it. If, the, if Jesus said that it's better for those disciples rather than having him walk side by side with them, uh, and can you imagine their, their pushback, right? Like, no, there's nothing better. It's similar for us. Like, we couldn't hardly imagine anything better than Jesus walking with us to work, into the classroom, you know, hanging out with us on the playground, whatever it is. Like, what could be better? Well, Jesus actually said, it's better for you if I go away so that the Father can send you the Spirit. And so there's a reality there about the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer that I think many people have not tapped into in saying like, wow, this is so good. It's like better than Jesus walking beside me. 
And, and so there's, there's something there for us. Okay, freebie. Um, so, so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit. And so I want us to think about it in a couple of different ways. Um, there, there's a story that, that um, is told in Luke 15. It's called the, the, the prodigal son story, and it's this parable that's shared. But, but really, uh, it's the story about these two brothers. Um, one is kind of your classic prodigal, the one that, uh, that left the father's house. And in this story, the father is representative of God. And he has everything that he's ever needed. The father has been nothing but good to him and has blessed him and he's provided every need for him. And yet there, there, there's something in his heart of rebellion and wanting to see what the world has to offer. And so the father graciously gives him his half of the inheritance. And the Bible tells us that he went out and he spent it uh, in wild living. And, and uh, in a matter of a, a short period of time, he had no more money left. A great famine hit the land. Uh, he was so desperate that he ended up finding work, feeding the pigs, but still so hungry that he wanted to eat what the pigs were eating. And, and finally came to his senses saying, I should go back to my father's house because even his servants, maybe he'll make me a servant because even they have enough to eat. They have a place to sleep. And so what he finds is that uh, the, the father is gracious. The father actually sees him coming from a distance and runs to him. And before the son can finish his spiel about not being worthy, the father is wrapping his robe around him and putting sandals on his feet and putting the family ring on his finger and throwing a party for him. And this is not what he expected because often uh, those that have rebelled against a good God find it difficult to come back to him in a misunderstanding of who he is. In fact, I've got a good friend uh, that we've become friends over the last couple of years and gotten to pray with him at some different times and, and share with him. He's not a believer. Tried to get him to come to church. Um, and, and his response is, I Travis, can't come to church with you. I'm like, dude, why not? Like, Come. Uh, and he says, if I come to church, God will strike the building with lightning. Like, you don't know what I've done. You don't know. So this is like this, it's kind of the joke, but kind of this like, I can't go, like God would smite me or something, you know, pulling out some King James language. Like if I showed up in church and uh, it's just the, a misunderstanding like uh, of the character and nature of God thinking like, oh, you don't know what I've done. And I surely don't want him to know what I've done. Uh, and, and not knowing the graciousness of God that at the, at the, um, at the height of betrayal, a, a son demanding something, and especially in this patriarchal society of his father and disgracing his name and all those things. And yet the father comes running. We have another character in the story, the other brother, who's representative of kind of the, the religious lost. Would, would, would have known all of the, done kind of all of the right things and, and uh, followed the statutes of the law and kind of uh, done, cro crossed the T's and dotted the I's on being the perfect son, but had in, in that journey missed the very heart of the father. Uh, the, the very, the, the core message of, of grace and love that the gospel provides. And so this son, upon hearing about the return of the younger son, um, is, is infuriated. And, and especially when he hears that the father is throwing a party for him. 
And the father says to him, hey, listen, and, and he's sharing again the heart of the gospel. Like uh, the, our, our, your brother, he was lost. He was, he was gone. I, I didn't know if he was dead or alive. He was, he was nowhere. I, I didn't know if I'd ever see him again. He was lost, but now he's found. That's a good thing. How can, how can I, as a, as a father, not throw a party? How can we not celebrate that, that this, this son of mine was lost but is now found, but the, the older brother would not come into, would not uh, allow the grace of God to go forward. He would not partake in it. And so we have here a story of, of two different people, both very, very much having missed at different points in the story, the, the heart of the message of the gospel. And so we, and we, we can hear a lot actually in the language of a, of, a, of a guy named Paul who wrote much of the New Testament and he would have been among the religious lost actually that Jesus would have been kind of poking here. Uh, and that was his story. He, he would say things like this, Philippians 3, 6, he would say as from a legal standpoint, uh, he had been blameless. In Galatians 1.14, he said he excelled among all his contemporaries in zeal for the law. In Romans 10.3, he, he described that he and the other religious leaders were striving to establish their own righteousness. And it's a lost cause. If we, are, if we have played the church game and we're trying to come to church more than we don't go to church or trying to say, say the right things even when we don't feel like seeing the right, saying the right things and we've made a few good decisions along the way and, and somehow we are then bringing our virtues to, to a perfect God and, and saying, hey, I'll give these to you if, if you'll show me mercy or you'll give me salvation, I'll give you these things. But the problem is all these things you have, they're really pitiful. <laughs> they, they really don't, they don't really measure up very well. And, and, and what it causes is, and what we see in Paul is this like striving to, to be perfect when all along we know that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so they're putting out this outer uh, kind of way of looking, condemning others all the while they're, they're dead inside. And so, so we're, we're trying to like barter with, with the all-sufficient creator and uh, like our morality in exchange for salvation. And it just doesn't work that way unless God in his amazing love responds with graciousness to our sinfulness and brokenness, we have no hope. But praise God, he has redeemed us. That while we were yet sinners, he died for us. He purchased us back. He took on the curse that was ours. On the other hand, what foolishness to continue in sin and waywardness and rebellion in, in suffering through that. Keep continuing on searching for something to satisfy and again and again being disappointed at that which does not satisfy. And that's the nature of addiction. Like okay, it doesn't satisfy, so I've got to have more. And then now that doesn't satisfy, so I've got to have more until it devastates and ruins our lives, all the while not wanting to come to God out of a misunderstanding of his character or maybe an insufficient knowledge of the forgiveness of God that is all encompassing, whose arms are open wide to you right now. 
upon turning to him and coming to him in, in repentance saying, I, I, I need you. And so there is nothing insufficient about the power of God's forgiveness, the power of the cross to justify. And that's an amazing word. And, and I've always, uh, it's always stuck with me the way that Billy Graham described it. He, he would always say it's justification is just as if I'd never sinned. That, that's, the, that's the work of justification. It's so powerful. It's so complete at the cross of Christ that the justification of God, that you are now just in his eyes, it's like you've never sinned. It's just as if I'd never sinned. And, and that's the power of the work of the cross um, of Christ in us, uh, not because of anything that we've done or offered to God and of ourselves, but all because of what he has done uh, for us. And so we, it's the it's the the heart of the gospel that we find in 2 Corinthians 5, that Christ who knew no sin was made to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. It says that it's the message of reconciliation or it's the message of redemption that God was no longer counting our sins against us. Uh, and, and it's this beautiful picture of Jesus who was the perfect one. He was not guilty of one sin. He did not ever grieve the Holy Spirit or come against the will of the Father. He did not ever operate, uh, not one moment uh, in legalism. He trusted the Father perfectly and lived in the power of the Holy Spirit throughout his life. It, it says this very powerfully in Isaiah 53, a, a prophecy about the one who would come. And I want you to listen to it in light of the redemption of Christ, what he did to buy us back, that which was already his. Isaiah 53 verses four through six says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken him smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that made us whole. And with his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. That's powerful. And yes, that's who he is. That is the good news for people that have come under the curse of God for the sin of moral self-reliance, for the sin of rebellion and choosing a, a lifestyle that would come against the goodness of God. And, and yet here he is redeeming us from the curse by becoming himself a curse for us. You know, there are stories throughout our lives that give us the picture of redemption, the redemption of God. It all goes back to the centrality of the work of the cross and, and, and us being redeemed from the curse because of our givenness to sin. But there are these stories in our life that I was sharing about earlier that, that show the one who gave himself up for us, um, causing and working all things together for our good, saving, healing, delivering. He takes the brokenness of this world world and of our lives and he redeems them so that we might experience life so that we might see him for who he really is and some of these circumstances that we find ourselves in and, and where we see the redemption of God are opportunities for us to see him in ways that we never would have otherwise seen him 
I want us, before we, uh, before we listen to the testimony for this morning, I, I want us to, to consider a story out of, out of John chapter 11. It's a, a story of, of some of Jesus' closest friends, a man named Lazarus as well as his sisters, Mary and Martha. And Mary and Martha had sent word to Jesus that Lazarus was deathly ill. Jesus uh, did not get there uh, until after Lazarus had died. In, in, in fact, it had been four days since he had died, but there was still a lot of mourning going on. There were still mourners that were, ga- were gathering around the family. And when Jesus got there, one of the sisters, Martha, runs up to him in verse 21 of chapter 11, and says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And, and I want us to hang on, on that verse for a second because I think it, it, it is a glimpse into things that we've all said. That, Lord, what are you doing? Lord, do you see me? Do you, do, you, do you see what I'm going through? Do you, do you hear my cries? Do you, do you feel my pain? God, how did I get here? This is not how I thought this story would end. What's going on? These are the, the real and authentic questions that we, that we ask God in life. And that it's okay to ask him. She comes to him saying, where were you? If only you had been here, things could be different. She wanted a different outcome. She had a different plan. And Jesus responds to her and uh, very, very graciously. And um, he says, he says, your, your brother will rise again. She says, I know he will rise again on the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, listen, there's a, there's a new revelation. There's so often a new revelation in the stories of redemption in life. And he says, no, no, it's not about a, a day in the future where there will be a resurrection. What does he say? I am the resurrection and the life. So, so wherever I am, there is resurrection life. That's what brings life. That's what brings resurrection is the life in me. And, and so there's, there's a revelation for her here in, in this moment. And, and I don't know if she fully gets it, uh, but she says, do you believe this? And she says, I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of God who has come into the world. And so there's this, you know, there's this moment in our stories where we're, we're, not, we're not sensing the, the redemption. We're in the grieving, we're in the pain, we're in the confusion, and we're saying, God, where are you? Where were you? How did I get here? I was trying to trust you. What happened? And we're asking those questions. And in the middle of that, there's often, uh, there's revelation, just a revelation of who God is. And even if we don't fully understand it yet, the, the, the remainder of the story of redemption will help to, us to see the revelation of who he is. And, and so, so she's asking these questions. We see just a few, few verses down. In, in verse 32, it, Mary asked the exact same questions, the same thing going on in her heart. It says, that when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, if you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. I had a different plan. Why would your plan be different than mine? What's going on? Where were you? How could you let this happen? And Jesus just responds with compassion. He understands the struggle. 
and it says that Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews also that had come along with her weeping and he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled and said, where have you laid him? Come and see, Lord, they replied, and Jesus wept. And the Jews said, see how much he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? So not, it's, only the, it's not only the sisters, it's also those that have gathered around and grieving. Like, couldn't he, couldn't he have done something? Why didn't he do something? And Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said, but... Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? And so Lazarus is raised from the dead. We're told that many of the Jews gathered around mourning. They believed in Jesus as the Christ. And there was a full picture of the redemption of God. God as redeemer, redeeming what uh, a situation that felt hopeless, that felt like, God, God are, are you hearing me? God, are you even in control? God, do you see what's going on? And God's showing up. And sometimes it happens in this way where it's exactly what we wanted. Sometimes it's not exactly the way we would have wanted it, but we get the revelation of God's character through it. And we realize in the end, the same thing, that, that all I need is him, that he is my redeemer that he gives me everything that I need. And so I wanna just invite you to hear one of those stories from our own church about God as Redeemer. My name is Taylor Benjamin. I have seen the Lord and he is a Redeemer. In 2021, uh, I just remember there was a moment we were sitting in a service and they were making an announcement about discipleship school here at Antioch. And I just remember the Lord speaking specific things while they were talking about it, of just freedom coming into some certain areas we were praying for. In my mind, I knew it was gonna be a year we were just gonna go, again, like totally all in. And at the end of the year too, there was gonna be a missions trip. Um, so we were just really excited for just, I feel like the promises God was speaking in this. We had also just had a baby. So going in, we had, I think she was four months old going into D-School. I think it was three or four weeks into D-School, I had surprisingly found out I was pregnant, calculated her due date, and it happened to be the same timing as when we were supposed to go on this mission trip. I hate to say this, but it was just not my plans. And I broke down and really got just angry at the Lord just being like, not that I was necessarily pregnant, but just why now? Like we were supposed to take a year off and like be on for the Lord. Now I'm pregnant. We're going to miss out on this mission trip. Um, just not understanding his plans. It took um, like until the ultrasound for me to like, really be okay, I feel like, or just like, and realize, okay, we're pregnant. Like, this is God's plan. Like, we have no control. I think it was when I was about 15 or 16 weeks pregnant, I ended up going in for an ultrasound and did the ultrasound, met with the doctor after, 
And he basically was like, hey, um, we got the images back. And he's like, I have to tell you this just to prepare you. But the images came back and your baby, she doesn't have a cerebellum and her spine is um, abnormal. And I'm just like, okay, like, what does that mean? And he's like, well, according to like the scans, he's like, just be fully prepared that she's probably gonna be a stillborn or be in like a vegetable-like condition and just to mentally prepare that this could be our life and her life. My husband and I, we had a pregnancy, I think maybe three or four years before that, where we had found out there was something wrong with the baby and there was like a 50-50 chance if it would survive or not. And we were obviously praying it would and ended up not surviving and we had a miscarriage. Um, God specifically chose this year, just totally different, going into D-School, totally different plans. And then almost facing a similar situation of like just the baby having like this outcome of her life. So I leave the office and I'm just in tears and shocked. Like what, what? And I remember calling my husband and we're just trying to process together. And I feel like God really, for the first time in my life, gave me this like, faith and heart, or maybe it was like the hope, like the only hope I could like sit on was like to pray for healing. And so we had, again, this four week waiting period until our next ultrasound. So my husband and I were like, we're gonna pray and fully believe that she's gonna be healed. Um, and our prayers were that God would make a cerebellum and make her spine perfect. And those were our two simple prayers we would pray every single day. We even brought our other kids in to pray alongside. But during that four week period, I was not hearing anything from the Lord. And then I think it was a week before the ultrasound, we were going to get the ultrasound and I ended up getting sick and taking this random book I had out in the backyard and I was reading it and it started talking about like pride. And then I just felt the Holy Spirit. It was like the first time I'd heard God during this whole period. And he just was like, you have pride in your heart. It's like, I don't have pride. Like, here's me, like, saying I don't have pride, arguing God, like, <laughs> you know, um, just kept coming, like, you have pride in your heart. And so I ended up taking my phone and just Googling, what is Christian pride? There's eight bullet points, and I read all eight of them, and I just broke down because I resonated with all eight. I had all eight of these in my heart. It was just like my flesh was just exposed, you know, so clearly, and I just, didn't like it and it broke my heart. And so I just led me to like this deep repentance. Um, and then my heart was just so instantly softened um, and changed like in that moment, I just remember it was so softened to the point where when I went to bed that night and I, I knew in my heart, like I remember just like praising God. I was like, if this is the plan for her, like pr I praise you, like thank you because you have such good plans. If this is the outcome of her life, I know it is a good plan. And that's how much she just like changed my heart in that moment and softened it. And then instead of like praying for a dream that night, I just remember I was like, I surrender this baby to you. And I just know like your plans are so good. Um, the second I fell asleep that night, I instantly had a dream from the Lord. I was just in this room and it was full of light. And I was like, where am I? What is going on? I just remember it was so beautiful, it was so beautiful. And then I saw the angel hand over a baby and all of a sudden I saw these giant hands. 
these giant, they were like gold hands and they were like light beaming out almost like diamonds. They were just the most beautiful things I've ever seen. And I just remember them being like giant. And I saw these hands grab our baby and I saw the hand swipe up her spine. And then I saw his hand swipe over her head. And that's when I realized, I was like, oh my goodness. I was like, this is like the Lord. I was like, this is God. And he's like healing our baby. I was like, he's healing her. And then after he did that, he ended up holding her up and looking her in the face and saying, you are perfect and you're made in my image. And then I ended up just waking up in shock. I was like, I just had a dream from God and he healed our baby. And I knew she was healed. Like I, I had no doubt. I remember my phone going off. A friend who I'd let in to pray over the baby, pray healing for, she had texted me and she was like, hey, I was praying for your baby and I had a random image. And it, she's like, I, it was an image of God's hand and he was swiping up her spine and over her head. And she's like, I felt like he was saying he was like gonna heal her. And I was like, what? Like almost this same vision she had was my dream. And so, and it happened almost at the same time she sent this text was when I was having this dream. So I felt like it was God instantly just like confirming like her healing and that she was okay and she was healed. We ended up going to the ultrasound and I walked in just so confident I knew she was healed. She ended up getting to her brain and I saw the word C-E-R-E -E on the screen. So I was like, is that her cerebellum? She ended up just saying like, yep it's her cerebellum and it's it's fully here. Like not only is it fully here, it's like in the 60th percentile and she ends up getting to the spine and you know, 30 seconds felt like 10 minutes, but she just started doing the spine and, and she finally was like, I know why you're asking all these questions. He's like, I saw the, the ultrasound before and she's like, I can tell you right now, what was there before is not there now. And she's like, her spine is perfect. She's like, her spine is perfect. And she's like, on the ultrasound before, she's like, her spine was going in a shape like away from each other. The spine is going away from each other. And now it's going towards each other in a V shape. So like even the anatomy was, was changed in her exact words. What was there before is not here now. Um, just so resonated too, because as I've, rejoiced over her healing and this story, I felt like the Lord was also speaking like, what was there before and not there now was also my pride. So not only like redeem, by His grace, redeem this situation and choose by His grace to heal her, but also just redeem so much of my walk with Him. I think I've just carried this pride that I didn't know that was actually, I think, holding me back to all that he has for me. So after we found out she was healed, I mean, we were so confident in that and just praising God. Um, and then she ended up being born on June 6th and she was totally healthy, beautiful baby girl. We ended up naming her Jordy um, after the Jordan River. And so God is so good and the redeeming God he is, we were able to actually go on a makeup mission trip uh, recently this summer, uh, we were able to go to Southeast Asia and it was the most amazing experience because not only did God redeem us going, but we were able to bring Jordy and she actually celebrated her first birthday while we were there. And as we were there, I just remember actually like sitting with the Lord and just crying out and thanking him. It could make me cry just of his plans all along. like. You know, they're just so good. So yeah, it was just really sweet to see it come 
full, his, his plans full circle and just be like, I'm so thankful this happened the way like you want it to happen, you know? So yeah, it's awesome. Psalm 103 says, praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. So as we take a moment to respond to God, to our Redeemer, I want to encourage us to, to respond in, in a couple of ways. In just a moment, some of our ministry team members will be here kind of over on the sides. If you need prayer for anything, please don't hesitate to go and just ask them for prayer, whether it has to do with the message or not. We believe that God answers prayer. Secondly, I believe that there are some in the room today that are like that younger brother or that older brother who for the first time today are recognizing the love, mercy, and grace of God and wanting it. And so just as that father in the story ran to the son with his arms open wide, though he had rebelled, just as that father went to the, 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 the other son who, who had, was, was harboring bitterness and an attitude and didn't understand the grace of God, and he goes and he invites him into the party and says, come in, I want you in here with me. So is God pursuing you today. And one of our ministry team members would love to just pray with you and talk to you about how to have a relationship with God, the good Father, through Jesus. And then we're gonna leave the front open here. Because I think there's many in the room that identify with Mary and Martha today. God, where are you? God, what are you doing? God, I need breakthrough. God, I, I, I want to know you as redeemer. I, I need this situation. I, I need your redemption. I, I want to see you. I want to know what you're doing. And in fact, I'd love for you to just stand up right now with me as we respond. Let's go ahead and stand up. And if that's you, I don't even want you to wait for me to stop, to, to stop talking, but just go ahead and come forward right now. 
If there's something in you that, that resonates, I just want to invite you to come and get on your knees in the, in the front here. Uh, many of our ministry team members are just going to, or, or others maybe in your life group and different things. Uh, we had all kinds of people praying over others up in the front and in the first service. And so there, there's something that God's doing in the way of redemption, redeeming what you feel like is lost, redeeming what you feel like is broken, redeeming aspects of, of your life that, that you feel like are, are, are not able to be fixed and yet he's coming in his mercy and in his grace and he's wanting to reveal himself to you and he's wanting to bring breakthrough in your life and he's wanting you to walk away from here changed because of how you met with the redeemer God. And so as these guys gather down here, I wanna encourage all of us to not leave this place without responding to God. And if God lays it on your heart to come and to pray over some that are here in the front, I wanna invite you to do that. And let's just allow God to have his way with us in this time.